0: I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I am also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part two of two where we are talking to Steven Guglich about his novels. After today, you will have heard about writing in elementary school, going from remedial English classes to editor-in-chief of the school paper, starting with stories for Dungeons & Dragons, taking 15 years to write your first book, adapting existing fairy tales for your own book, writing before the family wakes up, finding a narrator, scheduling a book tour, helping young authors, and starting your own publishing company. Piercing the Veil Book 1 of the Veil Saga They say that legends are born, not made. But for Jeremy Goodson and Masaru Hagen, that is far from the truth. Confronted by something that neither of them can explain, two complete strangers from opposite sides of the world embark on an unforgettable journey that will forge them into living legends. It has been almost 4,000 years since magic disappeared from the Earth, Hidden from humanity by the veil, those who possess magic live in ancient settlements across the globe. Over the centuries, these beings have pierced the veil, leaving behind glimpses and shadows of the fantastic and arcane. Fueled by distant memories and humanity's desire for wonder, familiar stories of myths and legends have been passed down for thousands of years in nearly every culture and nation. Jeremy Goodson an average overweight teacher in New York City, finds his entire world turned upside down when a stranger tempts him to leave everything behind and start a journey that will test Jeremy's mysterious gift and bring magic and hope back to humanity. Masaru Hagen, the adopted son of American tech entrepreneurs living in Tokyo, has been guided by an unseen voice all his life, On the eve of his 20th birthday, the voice leads him across thousands of miles, on a mysterious and perilous mission he alone can undertake. But there are principalities of this world that will do whatever they can to stop Jeremy and Masaru and keep magic out of the hands of humanity forever. One of these men will bring hope to the world. The other will bring death. The world they once knew will be changed forever— not only for themselves, but for everyone on Earth. And maybe not for the best.
1: So Uh, you had it go through editors and all of that. You found an audiobook narrator. You released it all this March, right?
0: Yeah, March 31st of
2: 2023, yeah.
1: So you get it out live into the world, and then what do you do?
2: Then it's all marketing. Then it's like, you know, you got (laughs) to get it it out there, Uh, you know, looking for opportunities like this. You know, I came across your podcast because i uh because the fairy tale connection you know because mm-hmm. I, I thought it would be a great fit um uh for that you know and then just trying to get it out there um do podcast do do advertising do promotions all that stuff so that's taken away from my writing time as well because you mm-hmm. know, so, so many hours in the day thankfully my wife has really been good at at at, at helping me with that she's She's definitely um looking out there for for promotional aspects. We have a book tour coming up in July, so we're excited about that. My wife has pretty much planned that we're going to go across the uh, the North Midwest, then down the East Coast, and then th- through the Midwest and back up. You know, so we're kind of going to do a circle from North Dakota to New Jersey, then back to and then back to North Dakota, but in a in a in a circle or. I guess it's more of a square, but
0: <laughs> just going to
2: all these independent bookstores um and and you know, doing book signings. So we're it's we're looking forward to that.
1: Okay. And so you are currently because you said you're still writing, so you're working on the next yes. book, I imagine.
2: Oh, for sure. Yep, yep. And book continuing
1: is, is, the series.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you haven't like beard yeah, so off. <laughs> no. Well, yes and no. No, I mean I have ideas for some short stories that I want to do. Like the like like I said, I, I released one of the short stories with the book, and then I have some other short stories that are that are probably come out with it. Um I have a project that I'm doing to help young writers called a shared world project. So I'm I'm looking for other writers to come along and write Val Saga short stories type stuff because the idea, you know, taking the idea of rewriting a a fairy tale and mm-hmm. making it into a realistic story, you know, going into the origin stories of of what you know what happened, uh, you know, how did how did you know take Rumpelstiltskin? You know, what's the real story of Rumpelstiltskin? And and so what I wanted do in that sense, like I said, is just help young writers because I know there are probably lots of writers out there that were like me when I was, you know, in my teens and, and early 20s where I wanted to write, but I didn't have the confidence enough to, mm-hmm. to pursue it. You know, like I said, if it wasn't for my wife, you know, saying you have to write, you you have to do this. Um, I, you know, this book wouldn't be out right now and you and I wouldn't be talking right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what I kind of want to do is help other young writers get their career started early. Um, so I started that shared world project and I have information about, about that on my website. And uh, I've had a few people sign up. So I'm looking forward to to getting, you know, when I get the 10, uh, 10 people who have signed up for that at that point, then we're really going to hit it hard and and look at releasing a, an anthology and we would, uh, my, you know, my publishing company would publish uh, their stories. So, you know, they, they would have that idea of, of getting published as well, and not just writing the short story, but, but getting their, their story published.
1: So you started a publishing company before you launched your book.
2: Yes. Yeah. And we did that <laughs> to launch the book pretty much. We, we wanted to, um, uh, I decided early on that I wanted to do um, self-publishing and and I did mm-hmm. it for a reason after hearing uh, Dave Farland uh I don't know if you're familiar with him he's a famous author and and uh story coach um he passed away last year but um he did um he talked about he was actually Brandon Sanderson's writing teacher in college uh so he had talked about how when he wrote the Room Lord series that he knew it was 3 books that's it he mm-hmm. was it was Three three books and he was going to be done with it. Um, publishing company picked it up. He was excited, and they said, "We want you to write nine books." And he's like, "Well, it's not a nine book story. There's no, you know, there's it's, it's not gonna. It's not nine books. I, you know, yeah. Well, we want you. To, we want you to write nine books. Uh, or I don't know if nine was the exact number, but and more he books just,
1: than planned. <laughs> right.
2: And he just said that he, you know, he knew. He had no more stories left in this world um after and and you could even tell i mean the first three are, are best sellers and the, and the rest are not uh, just because mm-hmm. his heart was and, and and he said in that um conference he said if he had the choice to go back and self-publish because at the time he wrote him obviously self-publishing was was yeah pretty much non-existent he said if he had the opportunity to self-publish he certainly he would have done that and that really struck with me because I didn't want anybody telling me, you need to write this or you need to have this included in your story. Or you story. have to take
1: this out of your story. Right. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, and, you know, I really, I didn't, I I really didn't have the, the confidence wasn't there, was there where I knew this was a good story. I wasn't mm-hmm. worried about someone not picking it up. I figured I'd find somebody who would eventually pick it up. But um mm-hmm. But just just wanting to be able to have control. So with that, um, my wife and I we opened up our own publishing company as well to produce my books and and you know possibly others down down the line.
1: Yeah. See, I already did that.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so I am the wife that pushed my husband to write. We were our anniversary last year. Um, I was talking to him about which. Ironically enough, our anniversary is March thirty first. Um, oh but, my goodness! <laughs> but, so we're we're we took like a weekend away, and I had started writing a science fiction fantasy book, and so I was telling him about this book that I'd been writing that I started at the beginning of the year. Um, and so I was like telling him about it, and he's like, "Yeah, I've had this story in my head since junior high. Oh
2: my! But goodness.
1: I'm dyslexic, so oh. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to write the story." And I was like, "Dude." write your story, and me and his brother who went to school for English stuff, I don't know what his actual yeah. degree was in, I just, English stuff, okay? <laughs> uh, I'm like, we will edit whatever you can't figure out. Like, you know, if you spell things the phonetic way, we can figure out what word that was supposed to be, like <laughs> not the end of the world. Right. And so he is now writing his That's very awesome. very massive book. He, he tells me... <laughs> Originally I was like how many words do you think this book's going to be and he's like I don't know like 150,000 and now he's like yeah maybe like 250,000 <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> I'm like maybe we may have to split that first book up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But I mean now... my book
2: was over 200,000 and my editor was able to actually get it down to 170 something thousand so.
1: Well I... we're both I'm paused the science fiction fantasy i'm now working on a fairy tale retelling oh,
2: neat. Okay. <laughs> but
1: um it, both of us are very conscious of like if it doesn't help move the plot forward it doesn't need to be there unless it's like right. there to build the character or something like that so both of us are very conscious and both of us are very much editing while we go which i know is not recommended for some people but both of us uh-huh. need that for our brains to be able to like Yep. I already said my memory is garbage, so I had to go back to the beginning because I couldn't remember what I wrote. <laughs> so...
2: Right, do it. You do it. And I find that that's a great, uh, a great thing for me personally too, because I like being able to go back. And that's when I, uh, like, if I'm writing a story and I get stuck, I'll, that's what I'll do. I'll go back and edit. And then by the time I get to the point I get stuck in, it the the juices are flowing again, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm good to go. Um, and I also find that that's when I start adding more and and stuff that really works for the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when I do that self-editing, so I, I'm I'm not one I'm one of those people who are weird. I actually like the editing po- process. <laughs>
1: I don't mind. Well, and I found so like for mine in particular, his I haven't read a ton of his because I'm always reading other stuff for other people that I'm like, when you finish, <laughs> I'll read it. But I can't be constantly dipping in and out of this book. I don't have the time. <laughs> um, but for mine, like I started the beginning very, very like there's a lot of inner dialogue and description and not necessarily world building because it starts off in our world. Um Mine's like dual realm kind of. So the original Beauty and the Beast, right? She's in, let's, I don't know. She's in a world, right? And then at night Uh in her dreams, she's with the Beast in our world. And then at night in her dreams, she's with the human version of the prince. And so very, very different from the Disney version, but it's I'm taking that same kind of concept and then twisting it up because why not? (laughs) So so I'm having to build... Like, our world is our world. I don't have to do much building for that. But this other world, I'm having to do more building. And so I started out very strong with the building and the our world description. And then I got into the fantasy part of it and was like, lost all description. (laughs) So (laughs) My editing right now is mostly just like fluffing it up with like, (laughs) you have to have description or people are going to be so bored that they're not going to know what's
2: going on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: So That's what cool. is so you have book 1 now you're working on book 2 how long do you think book 2 is going to take
2: Well now you know it, it certainly won't take 15 years so I'm hoping <laughs> maybe within the next I'm hoping maybe within the next 2 years I mean I got a, I got about 30% of the of book 1 done right now so I think um our uh, book 2 I'm sorry I got about 30% of book 2 done right now uh and I'm I'm hoping to get a chunk written this summer because I I I have the month of July off, even mm-hmm. though we're going on book tour. But I'll I'll have plenty more time to write, write mm-hmm. uh, with with that. So I'm looking forward to that and just having those uh, to see where that goes this summer. So we'll see. I'll I'll probably know more by the end of the summer on how far I'm gonna, you know, a better a better idea of when book two will be out.
1: <laughs> so what is the best piece of advice you've gotten and the worst piece of advice you've gotten
2: oh gosh (laughs) you know the the worst piece of advice is going to be hard because if you know if it if it doesn't work for me um i just it it doesn't work i i I mean i guess outlining is probably the worst advice i got because i cannot outline Mm. uh for for the life of me you know even my editor was trying to get me you know send me an outline i'm like I tried outlining I just it just, just doesn't work because what happens is I wind up just writing you know I'll come up with an idea I'll write the outline and then soon I don't have an outline I have several paragraphs so I'm like what's the point I'm uh, there's no there's mm-hmm. no point in, in outlining so for me I guess you know uh, it, it outlining didn't work and I think every writer needs to figure that out for themselves you know there's lots of writing advice out there uh, and You just got to do what works for you. Um, So the best advice that I've ever gotten was to just write, and that's what I want to uh, to do with the shared world project. Is uh, just like what you were saying with your husband. He had all these doubts in his head, and he had, you know, I can't do it because of this, I can't do it because of that. Just write your story. You got a Mm -hmm. story that's on your heart. Just get it out. It doesn't matter what it looks like. That first draft is yours to get it out from your head and your heart onto paper or onto the screen. Um, and that I think is the best advice I've ever gotten um, to just do that. And cause there's freedom with that. You're, mm-hmm. you're not worried about the spelling. You're not worried about the grammar. You're not, because nobody else is going to be looking at it except for you.
0: Mm-hmm. So you
2: get it done, you get your first draft done, then you go through and you, then that's when you work on the spelling and the grammar and you touch it up. And then you, you, you start sharing it with the critique partners. Um And there's there's so much freedom in that. If if I can just instill that in 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 other people, and again, that's where that's part of what the shared shared world project is: instilling that that idea that um, that they can just write and not have to worry about all that other stuff.
1: Well, and even like say you do write a book and it is terrible I've talked to many an author who have hidden away or locked away their first manuscript that they wrote because it <laughs> wasn't you know ready for other human consumption
2: <laughs> yes I've heard other writers call them trunk copies which I didn't know I I heard Brandon <laughs> Sanderson talk about that uh, uh last year you know he's got all these trunk books that he has that, and I was like trunk book what's that and he <laughs> Those are the copies that you just take and you just throw in a trunk because no one else is going to read them but you.
1: It, see, I, I will say all the time, well, not all the time. Anyways, I, I don't have, I do not DNF books. I do not do not finish books. I will set aside for later. May not be. I'm. It's not the right mood for me. I'm in a romance mood and it's a horror book. <laughs> um, it may be that I just. It may be a super dark book, and I'm just not in the headspace to be able to enjoy that. And so, like, for me, I started a science fiction fantasy writing it, and I was like, I'm really not in a science fiction fantasy mood. I have 31,000 words (laughs) written in a science fiction fantasy book. I did an excellent job of world building this really cool dystopian type but grown-up thing. I built a really cool world, and then my brain was like, we want to write a fairy tale retelling, and I could not get any (laughs) more words. It was like pulling teeth to get words on the page on my computer for this science fiction fantasy, because my brain was writing this fairy tale one, which I just a couple of days ago crossed over the 31,000 word (laughs) count that I had for this. So I finally, I hopscotched over the first draft of the first one. (laughs) So it's taken me a little bit longer to write this other one, but I'm in my brain, I am publishing this by the end of the year. So I have a lot of writing, <laughs> a lot of writing between now and um, the end of the year.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: So, yeah, that's, I feel like I, I talk to authors and I ask them all the same thing. What's your best and worst advice or whatever? Um, and I feel like it's it's like collecting because not every piece of advice, like I would say I'm somewhere between a pantser and a plotter, but my plot is like these one word things like this chapter they need you need to be introduced to the main character in this chapter there's going to be a battle that happens in this chapter like that that's my (laughs) that's my outline is he's like well
2: that's more of an outline than i ever have i I have i have an idea in my head and that's it i know how the i know how the beginning begins and i know how the end ends and and then i pants my way, way through it
1: Hey, that works too. connect. That's how my husband started. He'd be like, I have this scene stuck in my head, but it's not until further in. So he would write chapter question mark question mark. And then he would write that scene that was in his head. And now he's now he's having to connect the dots.
2: (laughs) Well, that's great. That's good, though. That works for him. He's got it. You know, there. again, like I said, the worst advice I had is is doing what somebody else does. I mean, really, Mm -hmm. you, you have as a writer, you have to do this. No, there's so many different ways. Everybody's going to be different. Everybody's going to have their own, own own way of doing things. Do what works for you, but be cognizant of, you know, are you wasting more time? You know, you, mm-hmm. there's, it's that double edged sword, you know, maybe it works, but. Be open minded enough to 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 be able to explore other ways, you know,
1: when you but, can even say you're in you know Facebook groups or you're on TikTok in writers groups or whatever. There are so many authors giving so many different pieces of advice. If like I've had a couple of things and I'm like that might work for me so I try it for a couple of days and I see does that work for me? I saw, for example, my most recent thing, I have seen since I joined TikTok 2 years ago, I have seen so many people talk about Scrivener. So I was writing yeah. in Google Docs because it was free and I was using a Google Sheet for all of my character information and chapter information and world building and all of that. So I'm going to like multiple places for all of this stuff. And finally, I came across another. I mean, I've seen how many TikToks up to yep. this point about Scrivener. And finally, one was like, what I love most about it is all of my stuff is in one place. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> that would be amazing to not be clicking between tabs on my browser <laughs> to have it in some organ. And then I download it. And if anyone has ever not seen, you know, you've know, you never seen Scrivener before, it has these like preset for novel Where, like, for your characters, you add a character and it's like, how old are they? Where do they live? What's their name? What's their personality? What are their likes and dislikes? And it has all these, like, questions that you can fill out ahead of time. Or if you're like me, you fill them out as you write it in your story and then you paste (laughs) it over. (laughs) It's like last night, I'm like, dang it, the whole family is coming together for Christmas, which is why I'm trying to publish by the end of the year because it's Uh Christmas-based. And I don't want to wait another year. (laughs) But I'm like, I'm like, all the family's coming together. So I'm like, well, I have to introduce her brothers that I've named one of, but she has a second one I haven't named yet. And now I have to give their descriptions. So I'm like pasting it over into their character (laughs) profile as I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) But you got to do what works for you. Uh, My husband has a whole separate Google Doc with all his character stuff all lined out that he wrote before he touched his book. So...
2: Yeah, see, I'm a a multiple screens guy and I tried Scrivener, but the learning curve on Scrivener was just, okay, I I, I had to ask myself, do I want to spend weeks trying to learn this program or do I just want to spend weeks writing in Microsoft Word because I already know how to do that?
1: so see uh, i probably don't use it how it's besides the character so i have the character i use the character part i use the setting part which the character part and the setting part are not all filled out questions like i filled out what mattered at the point in the story that i wrote about it and then like i use the writing part i there's probably a ton of stuff there that I just don't use because <laughs> I don't know it
2: exists. I, I, bought, I bought it too because that was one of the writing advice. Ev- oh, you, if you're a writer, you have to have Scrivener. I even paid <laughs> for the course. I even paid, you know, the the hundred dollars for the for the Scrivener course. You know, thinking that okay, it's gonna be and I'm a pretty techie guy. I was the I'm the tech I'm the tech coordinator for my previous district when I when I worked as a as an administrator there. And you know, I consider myself very techy and it's just it's there's a lot there to learn and I just decided I'd, I'd rather spend my time writing than learning this program
1: <laughs> see I opened up so they have you, a oh, have... they have a pdf manual that you can get yep. to in there and I opened it up and I started to read it and then I went why am I wasting my time doing this if I want to <laughs> try to figure out how to do something I'll just google it
2: Yep. so well, do you I... have do you have it on Mac or do you have it on uh, PC? Mac. Okay. See, now I've heard the Mac version is much nicer than the PC mm. version, so maybe that was part of my issue too. Because uh, everybody, everybody says that the Mac version of of Scrivener is so, so much easier uh, to use.
1: Well, and I'm still, I've been using it for two weeks now. I'm still in the 30-day free trial (laughs) period. But Uh, at this point, like, I copied everything over from the Google Doc over into it. And so, like, at this point, I'm like, all right, we're good with this. I'm just going to pay the... 60 70 however much it is for it because i'm like at this point i like it i like that i can set in a goal date to have it done by and it tells me it gives me a little progress bar for like you need to keep writing today if you want to hit your goal (laughs) like i like those are all things that make me write more where prior to that i was writing like 250 to 500 words a day granted i was only spending like 15 minutes a day doing that um but now i'm i give myself like an hour and then I can get like, I don't know, last night I had to get like 1,200 or 1,300 words done because I cut my my deadline back by two weeks so I can get it to my <laughs> developmental person sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's on me and I will, that's like this weekend's goal, right? As much as possible. So we cannot have to write 1,200 words every there single day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again.
1: No problem. You have a good rest of your Saturday. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: As Stephen got older, he liked The Elves and the Shoemaker by the Brothers Grimm. The Elves and the Shoemaker is a set of fairy tales collected by the Brothers Grimm about a poor shoemaker who receives much-needed help from three young helpful elves. The original story is the first of three fairy tales contained as entry 39 in the German Grimm's Fairy Tales. In her translation of 1884, Margaret Hunt chose The Elves as title for these three stories— the first tale is of Arne Thompson type 503, helpful elves, also classified as a migratory legend. The second is of AT476 type, a widwife wife or godmother for the elves, also categorized as a migratory legend, AT5070. The third tale is of AT504 type, the changeling, also categorized as a migratory legend, AT5085. Don't forget we're reading Les Mortes d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble Knights of the Round Table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. The Elves and the Shoemaker There was once a shoemaker who worked very hard and was very honest, but still he could not earn enough to live upon. And at last, all he had in the world was gone, save just leather enough to make one pair of shoes. Then he cut his leather out, all ready to make up the next day, meaning to rise early in the morning to his work. His conscience was clear, and his heart light amidst all his troubles, so he went peaceably to bed, left all his cares to heaven, and soon fell asleep. In the morning, after he had said his prayers, he sat himself down to his work, when, to his great wonder, there stood the shoes already made, upon the table. A good man knew not what to say or think at such an odd thing happening. He looked at the workmanship. There was not one false stitch in the whole job. All was so neat and true that it was quite a masterpiece. The same day, a customer came in and the shoes suited him so well that he willingly paid a price higher than usual for them. And the poor shoemaker with the money bought leather enough to make two pairs more. In the evening, he cut out the work and went to bed early that he might get up and begin betimes next day. But he was saved all the trouble, for when he got up in the morning, the work was done ready to his hand. Soon in came buyers, who paid him handsomely for his goods, so that he bought leather enough for four pair more. He cut out the work again overnight, and found it done in the morning as before. And so it went on for some time. What was got ready in the evening was always done by daybreak. And the good man soon became thriving and well off again. One evening about Christmas time, as he and his wife were sitting over the fire chatting together, he said to her, I should like to sit up and watch tonight that we may see who it is that comes and does my work for me. The wife liked the thought. So they left a light burning and hid themselves in a corner of the room behind a curtain that was hung up there and watched what would happen. As soon as it was midnight, there came in two little naked dwarfs, and they sat themselves upon the shoemaker's bench, took up all the work that was cut out, and began to ply with their little fingers, stitching and wrapping and tapping away at such a rate that the shoemaker was all wonder and could not take his eyes off them. And on they went till the job was quite done, and the shoes stood ready for use upon the table. This was long before daybreak, and then they bustled away as quick as lightning. The next day, the wife said to the shoemaker, "'These little whites have made us rich, "'and we ought to be thankful to them "'and do them a good turn if we can. "'I'm quite sorry to see them run about as they do, "'and indeed it is not very decent "'for they have nothing upon their backs "'to keep off the cold. "'I'll tell you what, "'I will make each of them a shirt "'and a coat and a waistcoat "'and a pair of pantaloons into the bargain. "'And do you make each of them a little pair of shoes?' I thought pleased the good cobbler very much, and one evening, when all the things were ready, they laid them on the table, instead of the work that they used to cut out, and then went and hid themselves to watch what the little elves would do. About midnight, and they came, dancing and skipping, hopped round the room, and then went to sit down to their work as usual. But when they saw the clothes lying for them, they laughed and chuckled and seemed mightily delighted. Then they dressed themselves in the twinkling of an eye, and danced and capered and sprang about as merry as could be, till at last they danced out at the door and away over the green. The good couple saw them no more, but everything went well with them from that time forward as long as they lived. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for Will's journey to holding his own fairy tale in his hands, and to hear one of his favorite fairy tales.